Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Network Podcast. Brought to you by PlayNFC.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Network. That's our new intro, done that by was, Matt Harrison. I was jamming pretty hard to that. I pretty like good. That was pretty good. I like that. I'm your host, Greg Ambrosius, of course. I'm joined by NFBC Hall of Famer Dave Potts and a music man himself, so that's why he did like that. Uh, Dave won the NFBC main event overall title in 2012. Dave, welcome to our show. Thank you much. It's uh, wonderful to be here. Wonderful to see you um, and the Packers helmet. That's uh, I was telling you before, you know, behind my fancy screen, we would have Bernie Kozar back there. Uh, <laughs> well, it's actually a Packers helmet, but that's Clay Matthews's ass. Just if you were wondering, that's Clay I was, I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's get the fun stuff right out of the way. All right. So you're officially listed. I look you up today. I was looking at your history in the NFBC. You're listed as David Potts in our system. Now, yeah. I knew when my mom hollered Gregory John Ambrosius, I was in a lot of trouble. So I got to ask, when you signed up, were you trying to please your mom, or maybe Dave actually isn't your real name? What do you, what is the answer here? I do believe that uh, I go by Dave, and people call me Dave. But I actually have a, a quite solid answer for why that is. When I signed up and thought, well, hey, I'm going to win hundreds of thousands of dollars from these yep. people, I want to use the same legal name that's on my tax form, <laughs> yep. um, and so that's what I did. So when we did pay you the grand prize, it was David yeah, Potts. Like, right? I didn't want to get a check and then take it to the bank and then look at my driver's license. I'm like, do you know Dave Potts? I mean, that's not you. You were smart even way back then, my man. And that's way back then, know. like, you, it, it was still checks. Yes. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. That's, that's how old I am. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So good stuff. All right. So you are an NFBC Hall of Famer. You're known as one of the best season-long players in, in, in the industry. But you've also won $2 million DFS contests. You've almost you become more of a DFS player, actually. Which game are you better at, DFS or season-long? So uh, the answer to that is actually um, – I am better at whichever one at that given time I'm putting my effort into. Like that really is the honest answer. I, I'm good at both. I could be bad at both. Yeah. Um, like I have, you know, the background and the history to be able to play either. Um, and so at any given time, any given season, whichever one takes more of my effort, I'm that's the one I'm better at. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about those million dollar DFS prizes because the first one has a hell of a story and I want you to tell it. There was the FanDuel contest. I don't remember where everybody was uh, in person, but I do remember it was the Colorado, I believe Cincinnati game at Coors Field that became the difference maker. You faded that game. Then someone had a water main break or something like yeah, that. And you ended up winning a million <laughs> Someone. So let's talk about that someone and talk about the water main break and how crazy that was that anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, even before that, there's like a, you know, an NFBC history with, with how I got there. Like I, I'd played a little bit on FanDuel, you know, just kind of here and there. It was kind of fun, but I didn't take it seriously. And then that year, 2014, uh, FanDuel came to the NFBC drafts yeah. to promote that million dollar. Like that was kind of right. the year that they stepped up their game. And, and so, um, that that's actually when I decided, okay, this is, you know, a million dollars to first, that is going to be worth my time. Um, and, and it really did go back to that. Um, so you hadn't played DFS before they came to our NFBC event. Or I mean, had I, I had played, I, I had played a little bit, yeah. but not seriously. Like it was okay. very much just, you know, goof around here yeah. and there. Um, it wasn't something I did seriously um, until, until then. So, but yeah, that, <laughs> that first live final, like you mentioned, was just, uh, goofy nonsense. I mean, a lot of a lot of times, goofy nonsense is what wins um, on any given day. But that that was kind of above and beyond. Um, it was it was a course field game, so obviously most people were playing players in the course field game. Right. Um, I, it wasn't. I, I didn't like the game quite. I wasn't going to play it anyway. Um, and then, like after the game was supposed to start, we had a bunch of TVs in the room. It was it was in Vegas at the. Um, yeah cosmopolitan okay and they had a fancy room with those tvs and the game was delayed and, and then they would show the streets outside and like just water was like flying up out of the streets and stuff and and then there started to be a rumbling like they might not play this game and, oh. and so that i mean that knocked out you know 60 percent of the field wow. so it was basically instead of having to beat 100 people i had to beat like 30 people yeah which is uh 
turned out to be more doable. And what you did, right? You won it. Yes. Uh, that was a uh, David Ortiz. Um, became my hero that night. Two home runs. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So then like a year later with the DraftKings, you started playing DraftKings and did you, you won a million dollar prize in that one. Uh, any stories with that one? I think you did talk about that when we were at Arizona Fall League one time, you stacked uh, Yankees or something like that. Yeah. Um, I did not require shenanigans on that night. Yeah. Um, so you admitted was, you did the water main yeah. break. <laughs> Someone had shenanigans. Um, so no, that one was, um, I forget who was pitching for the Braves that night, but it was someone who should not have been a major league pitcher. Um, and so it was a very obvious, they play, play five Yankees and then figure out the rest and um, get Clayton Kershaw. So get Kershaw and the Yankees scored like, I think they scored 20, 21. They ended up going against a, uh, like a position really? player late in the game. Like it just went perfectly. Wow. Um, wow. So. Wasn't there one guy that you were different than than other people? Because a lot of people were stacking that game. I remember you saying in Arizona, I thought you had like one guy that was the difference, right? Yeah. So I didn't play. That was uh, some of you might remember Greg Bird was like the yeah. big first base. Oh prospect. yeah, for sure. So yeah. Bird was playing that day, and he was cheap for the Yankees, and I did not play him. Okay. So he kind of like he was one of the only Yankees that didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was one Yankee that I had that I, maybe it was Chase Headley, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how old these players are. Hey, that's how old Chase we Headley are. Chase Headley was good for a few days. Greg Very Bird good. was good for a few days in the Arizona Fall League. He was the MVP of the Arizona Fall yeah, League. That, that's, uh, yeah, Greg Bird is the reason why I don't draft children in the NFBC still. Like, like he's just one of a billion giant examples. Yes. I well, still hope he has, we have a post-hype sleeper Greg Bird come back. Well, we're going to talk about kids like Jordan Walker a little later on, which you don't draft either. But, Never uh, heard of him. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about that background there because that's not your home background there. So you're making a living right now with rotogrinders.com. Certainly winning two DFS titles helped you an awful lot. But talk about what you do at rotogrinders.com, what you do every day during the baseball season to help people win in DFS. Yeah, so my main thing that takes up most of my time in the season, I write a, uh, a crazy long article every day, well, Monday through Friday, uh, mm -hmm. basically break down the slate, you know, look at who's playing today. Um, talk through the pitchers, you know, with a DFS focus, like, you know, salaries and how would you build a lineup? But um, right. it's, it's fun too, just for general baseball knowledge. It's just, you know, I'm digging into every player watching the matchups. Um, a lot of uh, nonsense dad jokes in the article to keep it, keep it entertaining. I try to six months of every day. It can get pretty bland. Yeah. Like yeah. fantasy sports content in general can get pretty bland. So I, I have, um, I have fun with it. Um, and then the reason I have the fancy background, this is Birmingham in the background. They couldn't get me an Auburn background because it was licensed. They would have had to pay like $4 million to Auburn. Really? Um, huh. I made up that number, but they were like, <laughs> we can get you Birmingham for free. Yeah. So, so is there a got. skyline in, in Auburn? Um, sort of, but like it, it, the skyline is more of the university with like, couple of the buildings in the football stadium yeah um but i do i do a webcast most nights which is why i have the fancy background all right which i just set up today for you so what were you doing before this i believe you were a folk singer uh had a guitar and such like that i mean you've come a long ways from playing by yourself in restaurants or whatever and such uh to what you're doing now with rotor grinders and doing this for a living it's a it's a great story tell people about it yeah it's kind of um an unusual life, I guess. Um, <laughs> never, never had a real job, um, whatever you consider to be a real job. Yep. Um, I played music growing up and I went to college for one year and that was not really for me as it turns out, Greg, as uh, I don't know if, if they wanted me there, but I didn't want me there. It's um, not for everybody. That's so for sure. I, um, I hit the road with my guitar playing like little coffee houses. Um, you know, for a couple of years, I, I lived at home um, and would just kind of go out for a couple weeks here and there and play as much as I could. Um, and that was, um, you know, a slow building process to get enough gigs, get known enough, put out CDs to where I could make a living doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did that for 15 years, uh, driving around the country, playing folk festivals, little listening rooms, coffee shops, restaurants and bars, just everywhere. Um, played in, 46 states, I believe. Really? Wow. Um, 
just it sounds like you know, a Garth Brooks story. I mean, that's how Garth Brooks started. Yeah, uh, a lot of people, you know, who uh, became sort of big names did, did start out the same yeah. way, just playing these little venues. Right. Um, right. And then some of us stopped playing little venues and play fantasy <laughs> baseball. But uh, <laughs> Garth could have done that if he chose. He decided Absolutely. to go the other way. Yep. I respect him for it. He's a baseball fan, so he could have gone that way. He took the easier route. You took the harder route, I actually think. So I, I do have to ask you a question from Sean Childs. He wants to know what comes next. Your next million-dollar DFS win, winning the main event overall, or having a Billboard number one folk song written by you? Almost certainly none of those will happen in my life. <laughs> what's again. next? Come on. He's asking what's next. Um, if one of those is going to happen again, yeah. it would be the, another DFS win. Okay. Ooh, even over the main event, Tom, you think the main event will be very tough, huh? Yes. It is tough, uh, no doubt. Okay. Let's talk about you joining the NFBC because you joined in 2010, which was our seventh season. Were you playing Local leagues, you're on the road, it sounded like. What were you into with fantasy baseball back then? Yeah, so the way I started fantasy baseball, when I moved to – I live in Auburn, Alabama. When yep. I moved to Auburn, it was 1999. In um, either 99 or 2000, some friends here just started a little league on, like, CBS Sports. Um, so I joined, I joined that league and really just liked the numbers. Like, um, it, you know, I kind of got – crazy into it. And I dominated that league for like three years. And eventually they kicked me out. They're like, we cannot play with you. I don't understand what you're doing. So I found some local leagues and started playing like, just like the public Yahoo and CBS sports and ESPN leagues, all those. Yeah. Um, and after about seven or eight years of playing, you know, just like, you know, the hundred dollar leagues here and there, um, I saw an ad for NFBC in one of the magazines. Um, and I thought, yeah, let's go, you know, take this to the next level. Um, and I, I remember, I don't know if you remember me calling you, but um, I called you because at one point you had a main event in Orlando. Yeah, right? we did. Right. And right. I, so I, I could have driven to that. So I called you and I said, I, I'm a folk singer and I want to play fantasy baseball with you. Are you going to have stuff in Orlando? And you said, you got to go to Vegas. You got to go to Vegas. And I was like, OK. And the weekend salesman. Vegas was that year. Yeah, that's all you had to say. And I was yeah. I was in. You yeah. are just that believable. Um <laughs> I had a gig in Atlanta that Saturday, Saturday night um, that I had already booked. And um, so I flew out Friday and did an auction, um, two auctions. Yeah, AL and NL. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, didn't didn't get to stay all weekend um, and loved it. Obviously, that was when it was back at the Flamingo. Yeah. And so, you know, from there, um, and we, you'll probably bring this up, but like the first year I played, I was terrible. I mean, I had no idea what was happening. Um, yeah. it, it's definitely a learning curve. Um, I'm definitely going to bring that up. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, I, I, I loved it. I, like most people do like the first time you, yeah. you show up, whether, whether you win or lose or otherwise, I don't know what the otherwise would be. Yeah. Um, like it's just great. So I, I was, I was all in from there. Yeah. So you joined us, like I said, in 2010, You've always just played fantasy baseball, and I know you're a Cleveland Browns fan, a big Cleveland Browns fan. You live in Auburn, Alabama, so I have to ask you, why don't you ever play fantasy football? I mean, fantasy football is so much bigger than baseball, although we love how big we are in baseball. Why haven't you ever played fantasy football? Yeah, I I, I have two very good answers. These are okay. fantastic answers, and they're the real honest truth. Um, the first one is originally I didn't play because – I saw how the people who are really into fantasy football flailed down the stretch in fantasy baseball. Cause it's the same. Yeah. You can't prep and yeah. play well. Um, like I still, to this day, think Chad Schroeder would have probably beat me that one year. If he didn't have 429 football teams that month, like we were neck and neck. Um, yeah. I'd rather just be doing the one thing. Um, but now I do have time to do it. And the reason I don't play is because I am such a big Cleveland Browns fan that I'm not willing to, play against my bias. Like I, I never want to have to root against my team. I'm not going to draft a Baltimore Raven period. Um, <laughs> I would, I, 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 I care more about my team yeah. in football, which is not the case in baseball. I mean, people assume I'm just this crazy, huge baseball fan. I mean, sort of, I like it, but I, yeah. I like football way better than baseball. Yeah, well, see, that's what I thought. And in fantasy football, you do set your heart aside because you actually don't cheer against 
your players on your team or whatever. You want them all to score. And your favorite team, the Browns, you want them to score 51 if you got guys on the other team. Yeah. So. And so I just – and I hate – I truly despise that. When, when you're watching your team yeah. and you've got a player – like if you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt scores, <laughs> yeah. like you you see it when it happens to people, and they're like, "You're mad at your yeah. own team for scoring." Like I can't live with that, so I just yeah. don't even do it. I don't know if you're mad, but you're like, "Couldn't you let my guy score?" So all right, Dusty's asking. He needs to know your favorite ice cream shop in Vegas. Um, so I don't go too far out of the way. Like yeah. I don't have any fancy weird local place nobody's heard of. I, I just go to Ben and Jerry's. So we don't have a Ben and Jerry's shop nearby here. Yeah. Um so like I mean I eat it from the store, but it's different when it's when it's fresh. So I, I go to Ben and Jerry's. All right. So all right, 2010. You started in 2009, excuse me, and then you came back in 2010. And I think we were at the Bellagio that year or did we move the next year to the Bellagio? But I think I did it was I had two years at the Flamingo. Okay, so it was, I think 2010 was our last year at the Flamingo. But you really jumped in in 2010. You took the ALNL, you did the Ultimate Auction League, uh, you did a live double play. I mean, at that point, you weren't afraid of the competition. All of a sudden, you're in and you're really in, right? Yes, it was, it was, it was kind of like I've just had to see it and figure out, even though I was clearly not good right away, like that first year, like it was obvious that, I was going to do this. <laughs> like, I like this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure this out and put all the time in. Yeah. And when you put all the time in, all the work in, you want to do more leagues to make it pay off. Yeah, definitely. Well, talk about that first year because you've admitted even when you won the title in 2012, which was like your third year, that first year is a learning experience. And even the second year is a learning experience. I mean, 15 team formats, I'm sure you hadn't played that before. Talk about the learning experience, and you can win in your first year, but it's a learning experience, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's a lot to it, and and you hear people talk about this, but like we spend so much time harping on the ADPs, mm -hmm. especially nowadays. Like it's it's all there's a thousand podcasts right now today talking about ADP this and this, and as soon as that first main event starts, those do not exist. Yeah. Um, yep. And it, it's hard to understand until you see it. And so I had a plan. You know, I worked pretty hard to come up with a plan. I had like the 14th pick. And I knew who I was going to take my first two picks. And I got neither of them. And I was I didn't understand how, how it was happening. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the other thing, back in that day, um, back in my day, um, the, the local leagues I was playing and even the, you know, moderately competitive other online leagues, you could kind of just win by just taking the players that happen to be sitting there that makes the most sense. They don't, yeah. you don't need to go too in depth. It's just like this guy's $8, this guy's $7, like $8 guy is better. Yeah. And what I found that first year is when you got to those later rounds, it's not that I didn't know who the players were. I didn't know why I was taking this guy instead of this guy. And I ended up with a whole bunch of really, below average guys getting 200 innings. I had like a terrible, horrible pitching staff, uh -huh. but it was the kind of pitching staff that in a local league, just like piling up wins and strikeouts and nobody yeah. else has good pitching either. And then I'll pick up the good guys. Yeah. Like I'll pick up the other people in season. Well, they were all gone in this. Yeah. Like, um, so it's kind of those two things like, okay, I need to totally redo my process of how I figure out who I'm taking in the later rounds. And in the early rounds, I need to assume that I'm not getting the people that I think I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so your third year was 2011. That was our first year at the Bellagio. I think we had 11 leagues at one time in that big ballroom, which was fabulous. You finally had figured it out. You won your first main event league title. You finished 12th overall. You won a double play live. You had won one the year before, which is our 12-team format. So third year in, you're feeling a little more comfortable, and you're actually going for the grand prize here, right? Yeah, that third year, like, it was sort of just a gradual step up those first three years. Like I clearly figured out and I figured out the fab. Like that's another thing that yeah. you have to get used to the way the NFBC leagues do free agents. It's just a different, um, different sort of thing. So I, I had everything kind of worked out um, through there and, and, and I just gotten much better at the player analysis. And that was back when 
it was still it was more relevant then than it is now to do player analysis because mm -hmm. there wasn't as much really good content like yeah. you don't actually have to do any player analysis right now if you don't want to like uh, the adps will help you that's yeah. for sure um but but then you know i i spent a lot of time uh in the off season um and that was sort of that was the the time period of, of my life where i was like switching from music to fantasy baseball so i had i had a lot of time um and when i was on the road you know, I would play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I would sit in a hotel room and just for three days straight, just find these 18th round pitchers, find these 18th <laughs> round pitchers. And like for months, um, I, I just, that's all I did. Yeah. So 2012, your fourth year, you were the best of the best. You won another main event league title and you won the main event overall title. I mean, did you ever imagine when you first got into this one that you would win the overall title? And what do you remember about that championship season? I don't remember the ending. Did it come right down to the end or not? Yeah. So that was, um, yeah, Chad Schroeder and I were basically tied uh, right with, you know, four or five days to go. Wow, nice. Um, and it was pretty clear to see that I just needed – I just needed a few steals. If I get a few steals, I'm going to win. Um, and I found a little Everth Cabrera. Um, really, Miguel Cabrera is the reason I won that year more than anything. But Everth Cabrera, I would not have won without him either. Um, but, I mean, like, I still remember that draft pretty well and exactly how it went. It Sometimes it just goes perfectly for you. It's not that if you were sitting one chair over, there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing you could do, you know. Yeah. Um, but everything just fell where I, where I needed it to. Um, and as with anything, like it takes a lot of random luck going your way as far as like, I don't think any of my hitters got injured all year. At, yeah. I, I don't remember it exactly now, but I feel like 12 of my 14 hitters were that I drafted were pretty much just in there every day, all year. Um, that kind of thing. You can't really plan yeah. for that. That's just, you need things to go your way. That's, that's a key for sure. Did you ever think that you could win the overall? I mean, we all go into it thinking we can, but I mean, when it happens, do you go, holy shit, that really happened? No, I really did not even consider, I wasn't even, tr I wasn't even trying to win. I was trying to win the league. Yeah. Um, right. And really, I, I still remember. So it was a August 15th, August 20th, somewhere in there. Sean Childs called me and said, you know, Hey, you got a shot to win. I hope, you know, like, go get it. I was like, what are you talking about? I hadn't even looked at the overall standings. I, I, I kind of understood they were a thing, but I was just watching the league. Yeah. And then I went and looked at them and I was like, Hmm, I guess I could. Uh, I like, I really, I wasn't uh, focused on it. Yeah. Well, keep an eye on those overall standings. It can be plentiful for you. You can make some money. Yeah. I got to tell you something. I remember one thing about 2012, you entered a super that year. We were in a small room on the Bellagio we had because we had a lot of guys online, I remember. Mm -hmm. And you in that Super League decided to do a crazy strategy where you dumped two categories. I don't know if it was wins and strikeouts or whatever. And there was one guy in the room who just was like, Who the hell is this guy? He's screwing me up. You finished third in that league. And again, you can dump two categories, punt two categories to win in a private league. But boy, I know the guy's name to this day. He was not happy, but he did not cash, but you did. That was beautiful. I, I still, I, I like that one as much as, as the main event overall. Uh, yeah. I know right where you're sitting, you're up against the wall kind of over there and he was just so mad at you, but, uh, but sometimes you do different strategies, yeah. right? To win. Money. I mean, how mad would he have been if he was in the platinum and I mean, people do that. I mean, absolutely. like the, yeah, the private leagues, the, the strategies are all over the place and yeah by now I think people are used to it, but yeah, those first few years, you definitely got some, some yellers. Yeah, absolutely. So very interesting. So let's talk about the year after you win the overall, I mean, there is some pressure in you, you come to the main event and everyone's hugging you and, and saying good things to you and stuff. I think you finished second in two main events that next year, you finished 25th and 64th again, solid, solid, but I mean, I, now you realize how hard it is to win the overall, right? I mean, you want to win two in a row, of course, but holy cow, it's not easy. Even winning your league title is not easy in this 15-team format. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what I said. Like, really, everything has to go your way. Like, yeah. there's not much, if any, difference between the top 100 NFBC players. Like, yeah. Really, like, there's at least 100 people that could easily win. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's just going to come down to, out of that group, like, who has, you know, the players just follow them just perfectly in the draft, who has some luck with the injuries and yeah, do a lot of things right too. Right. Um, 
but I mean, I, 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 I'm certainly aware of that. I, I never expected to win again. Um, uh, the next time it's going to go all correct for somebody else. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, you put yourself in position and I think, you yeah. know, that next year, if you're a couple teams in the top hundred overall and you're doing, you're still doing things right. Yep. Not really much difference in like playing well versus playing poorly to finish first versus 25th overall. Yep. Yep, definitely. When I look at your history, you do have a lot of success in 12-team format. Uh, you won several online championship league titles. You finished second or third multiple times when we had the NFC primetime. Again, another contest that Chad kind of dominated. Do you like 12 versus 15? It's a different game, especially in FAB. There's more players available. Talk about the differences between 12 and 15. Yeah, so I've had to give up 12, not because I don't like it, but it's it's more work because fab, of how many yeah. players there are. Like, right. Right. You have to churn through players so much quicker. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I think I say I would say I like 12 better mm-hmm. for that reason. Like if if I was just going to play one league for fun and, you know, I, I would probably play a 12 and I, you know, spend more time in fab and do do more moves. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I was playing a lot, you know, I had a ton of 12 team leagues along with the 15 team leagues. Um, and like to sort of do two whole different periods of fab, like it's a totally different setup yeah. um, for 12s and 15s. Like I, I really did kind of drive myself crazy <laughs> playing so many teams. I, I, I yeah. love the 12s. And I, I mean, I, I, no one's really ever asked me that. Which one do I like better? Yeah, I might like the small leagues better where you can do more things in season. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the draft better for a 15 teamer. Um, but I think yeah. in season, I think I prefer – having more options. Yeah. Um, I, I talked about this out at the Arizona fall league when you're on the, on the NFBC panel, when I look at championship rosters and I do go all the, through the national champion rosters, the top players are churning through players, three, four, at least four every week in fab. I'm an old school guy and I'm lazy as hell. I drafted him. I think he's going to finally bust out. So I hang on to him way too long and conditional bids. I've said this before, Sean Johnson, who's going in our Hall of Fame this year, he had 34 conditional bids for one pickup, and he had 20-plus guys for majority of his pickups. Do you feel like the churning through players is an important aspect of this? Like, you can't hold on to a reserve too long. Give a guy a shot. If he doesn't have a good week, you churn through him and pick up somebody else the next week. Yeah, that's one of the hardest things. Um, and that's one of the hardest differences from going from 12 to mm-hmm. 15 um and and back and forth is like what level of player like there's players that you have you have to cut some really good players in 12 team leagues especially but in 15 that's still a weakness of mine too like i don't want to cut anybody like i i got that guy for a reason yeah you know and you like you don't want to drop the guy and then someone else gets him and then he does what you thought he would do that's me that that dumb fear um you, you everyone knows you're supposed to simply play the game. If I was starting over today, which of these players do I want? If I want yeah. the other guy, I'm supposed to cut him and, and bid on that guy. Yeah. Um, it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of, that's actually sort of why I draft exactly the way I draft is knowing who I'm going to be willing to drop and who I'm mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I have a really hard time dropping hitters. Like I'm going to try to draft the 14 hitters that are going to be in my roster the last day of the year is the first day. Yeah. Um, and I actually, part of the reason I draft a bunch of nonsense relievers that I hope get some saves at the end is yeah, sure. I want some saves, but I also want to have guys that I'm ready to cut. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't draft some of those type players, like I, no matter how much I want someone the first week, like I won't cut anyone. I'm like, I have 30 <laughs> players I like. What? Uh-huh. Like, I actually very intentionally have a couple players on my roster that I know I'm going to cut, mm-hmm. which kind of sounds dumb and maybe it is dumb. Um, but you got to be willing to make some moves. And it, it's it's really easy to just sit here and say, you should cut more players, but um, yeah. it's hard to do. No, you said that in Arizona that you the 14 hitters you draft, those are the guys you want in your lineup. For the year and you know obviously they have to stay healthy which is impossible a lot of times but you're looking to churn pitchers more than you're looking to churn hitters correct yeah that's just that's the way i i work best Mm -hmm. um it's sort of my my default setting like when i 
go and look at players on say like that's what i'm looking at is what pitchers either have a two-start week or who might become a closer or you know yeah. what pitchers being called up i don't know why it is um I don't, I don't know what my particular mental situation is, Greg. There's <laughs> something going on, but like, I can't do it with hitters. Like on both sides, I can't cut my hitters. Like I'm mm-hmm. sure that this guy's good. Yep. Even when he's clearly not. <laughs> and I can't see why this other guy is going to be good. Like, I'm, I'm not sure where this comes from. Like I am more than happy to take a minor league pitcher that gets called up. Yeah. But a minor league hitter that gets called up, unless it's the generational talent that I'm not going to win anyway. Like I just, I just don't do it. Hmm. I probably should. You probably should. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. Uh, One thing I'm going to say about you is you're not dull with your team names. There's no team pots on a single team that I could find. (laughs) You're always, you name your teams, Bandelay Industries, Low Talkers, No Soup for You. They all have a Seinfeld reference, don't they? Yeah. I decided early on, like, you know, I'm just going to have, I'm going to make team names that, entertain myself and um you know lo- low talkers is like my my main go-to yeah. team name because i am a low talker like the first few years i showed up nobody knew who i was Absolutely. i don't walk around talking to people i kind of keep to myself um that's why i thought it was named low talkers because you are so quiet it, it was that, okay. like, that really is why that's kind of my main name for main event teams um and then uh, when I started doing auctions, I was like I need a different name. And <laughs> Vandalay Industries was just a very obvious name for me. And then it uh, was, but not only me. that, there were multiple people who had Vandalay Industries, so you're yeah. not alone there. So that's why I had to, yeah, I had to switch. And you know, Crimerica is in there, and I, uh, I've had a lot. I, puffy shirt. And when I, I had all, when I did, like, you're a Seinfeld fan, right? Oh yeah, I still, um, <laughs> I, I watch the whole series uh basically it's i'm i'm always watching it somewhere just. <laughs> interesting hey you talked in arizona again like we were talking about your process you felt last year even though you did not have a good year last year your process was right you were getting the players you wanted but things just didn't work out with the players that you had had you gotten a different player here in round one than this guy we all can say that, but talk about how you still felt like your process was good, but damn, the players you got just didn't perform last year. Yeah. So the way I said it at at that panel in Arizona, and I, I, I'm certain that this is true. Like we talk about strategies a lot. Like, should I take, you know, closers earlier, two starters early, or take my speed earlier, go all power early. Any strategy works if you get the players right. But it's 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 more about sort of building it backwards and saying, you know, I don't think you just say in a vacuum, oh, I'm going to I'm not going to get speed early or I'm going to wait on saves like you should do that by saying, I see how I can get speed late. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm not going to take speed early. Right. Um, but in the you know, you can take two aces, the old pocket aces. I don't know why we have to say pocket aces now. Double tap the starters, Greg. Because um, we're all blackjack players, I guess. I don't know. Yes. Like, you can take two pitchers in round one and two, and if they are the two best pitchers in the league, you will probably win, assuming mm-hmm. the rest of the draft goes evenly. You take two pitchers, and one of them gets hurt, and one of them is mediocre, and that strategy was terrible. Right. Well, no. The strategy was exactly the same strategy. It's just which which guys do you get? Um And I, I just think I think people spend way too much time trying to figure out what strategy they want based on the top of the draft. Like mm-hmm. the first 30, 40 players are all great. Right. If any of them stay healthy and have good years, like you win with any of those guys. Like yeah. I think you need to think about it backwards and say, look what I can get late. I'm going to get I love all these starting pitchers late, so I don't need to go starting or pitchers early or I can get all this. I know how to get my speed late. I'm not going to do that or whatever. Like, um, but just the talking about the, the strategy is closers early or the strategy is speed early. No, like the strategy is get good players <laughs> throughout the draft and you win. Right. And they stay healthy. That's the key. Right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you've won five main event league titles with us, 2011, 12, 16, 17, and 19. Now, we admit it's not easy to win a 15 team league title. 
Was it easier back in the earlier days? Is it harder now because there's so much information? I mean, it's kind of odd because more information doesn't make it easier, but you got to siphon through all that. Was there any difference in the 12, 13 years you've been playing with us? Um, honestly, no. Yeah. Um, I think the competition was equally difficult then as it is now. Mm-hmm. The same ratio of almost everybody's at least pretty good. Most people are really good in every league, not every league, most leagues, you're gonna have one or two people who are kind of just there for fun and don't really know. Um, but it, it's interesting with all the information out there, like that's where everything is so different. Like 10 years ago, there maybe in February, you could find three podcasts, all right, talking at NFBC amongst other things, and now there's like 60 podcasts just about <laughs> NFBC. Um, but that doesn't really change anything about the leagues themselves. Like it's that it hasn't made them any harder or easier. Mm -hmm. It's just, everyone has more information if they want it. Um, but there's, there's always been plenty of information. It's, it's not, it's not about, you know, can you find a podcast to listen to, to tell you how many second basemen there are like yeah. we can all find how many second basemen there are it's just it's a more entertaining industry now yeah. you know with a lot more people doing doing content which no, I, I agree with you because back in the old days we all had the same magazine so we all walked into the draft room with the same knowledge we all had the forecaster right okay ron projected these guys so that's what we we're going off now we're all got all kinds of different uh websites and and content sites and podcasts and such uh i mean it is amazing i was talking with rob silver the number of NFBC dedicated podcasts is insane. And I think the yeah. ADPs have done that. It's gotten the content out there in October. We started drafts in October and all of a sudden you had ADPs out there and you could debate where this guy's going or where pitchers are going or, or the trends that we're seeing. And I love it. I mean, we used to hide the ADPs. We used to make you sign up and then you got that. That was my way of saying, Hey, these guys are generating the ADPs. You want it? get in the league damn it you yeah. know but when we made it public then everybody started using it so yeah. uh, and that's interesting in and of itself like i think a lot of us kind of preferred it to be private <laughs> yeah, I know. and yet at the same time like especially all the online leagues have taken off because of it so i mean it was definitely right to yeah now everyone ever was talking about it. it it's definitely a good thing well i can tell you it was at the arizona fall league in 2000 i think 18 ron wanted to know if he could use our adps for his babs site and I said, absolutely, I'll get you a link to it or whatever. And I was sitting on the panel, and you were on it, actually. And I was thinking, why the hell don't I just make this public for everybody? And I said right on that panel that we're going to make this public. Ron asked it. I think we're going to make it public. And it really was one of the better things that we did there. So so I I could have stopped it, guys. This is the, the <laughs> it, I, I was on a panel with Greg when he it just popped into his head that it's free for everybody now. I apologize. You were talking me. so much, you never even heard what I was saying there. You were just a blabbermouth up there. That's, Believe that's it? That's my thing. I apologize. Low talkers, come on. Hey, let's talk about the game today. So we were just at Arizona, West Palm Beach for Florida first pitch, went to a ball game, and I have to tell you, uh, I've seen Arizona Fall League with the pitch clock. It just seemed like the game moved a little bit more out there. I'm in favor of the pitch clock. The game we went to, six innings, 90 minutes. There was 4-3 ball game. It was action. I mean, I couldn't believe that this is the same baseball I've been watching the last couple of years. Your thoughts on the rules changes and how it's going to affect baseball this year? Yeah, I think no question it's better for spectators. Mm -hmm. Like, for just... There, there, what I we all kind of like going to the ballpark, and it's if you sit there for four hours, you sit yeah. there for four hours, it's fun, but care. really, for multiple games a year or watching them on TV, like they don't need to be that long. Right. And there, what there is a crazy ton of nonsense downtime with the I'm gonna walk out of the box, you go over yep. here, and I'm gonna throw over here 47 times. And it yep. is when you if you can kind of let let it go, like it is, it, it is dumb that it was like that. So, yeah. I, I'm, I'm in favor. Um, It'll be interesting. It, it will have some effect oh, yeah. in the fantasy world, obviously. Yeah. But as far as real baseball, like definitely, like yeah, let's make the game. Well, let's talk about game. how what type of effect do you think? I want to start with the first one that no one's really talking about. It's throwing over to first base only twice. I That's think the, the top craziest one to me. It's the craziest one, but you can see the veterans. They bait them to throw it over there twice, and on that 
third round or they know it's got to go to the plate, they're gone, right? So I'm wondering if you're thinking the same way I am. I think a guy like Trey Turner or Acuna or Tim Anderson, these guys are going to get a lot more stolen bases than the other people. Other people might get one or two or three more, but I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I just think that rule in itself is going to help the top base stealers. Yeah. Greg, for the first time, you are not wrong. All right. Um, so you finally got one. So yeah, what what's crazy to me is last year when all the rule changes came out, everyone was talking about the pitch clock and the bases and the shift. Mm-hmm. I didn't even hear anything about this thrower thing until recently, and I was like, wait, what? Um, yeah, the, huge. The guys who are smart and want to pl- play around, especially and adding the pitch clock on yep. makes it even harder. They yep. they don't have time to sit there and decide. Do I want to make my second throw over right yep. now? Like, yep. I think the the really good base dealers and the smart base dealers are going to go absolutely bananas. I, I agree um, with you. And I'm not I'm not on the train of thinking just everybody's going to steal more bases. No. I, I think the guys who steal bases are going to steal a lot. Uh, it'll be back. I mean, not everyone's going to steal 80. Like, right. it's not Vince Coleman everywhere. But I think we're going to have a lot more people stealing 30. No, I totally days. agree with you. I don't think the 10 guy goes to 20. And I don't think the 2 guy goes to 10. Right. But, I but do the 30 think, goes to 50. I think the 30 can go to 50, right. And that's yeah. why I, I said I want Trey Turner because I just think Trey Turner has the pop, uh, possibility to steal a lot of bases. What about uh, the shift? I mean, that's the one everyone's talking about. Do you feel like an Anthony Rizzo or – uh, you know, Corey Seager, obviously that'll help their batting average. It has to help it a little bit, obviously, but any, any thoughts on the shift? Yeah, obviously it, it can't possibly hurt a lot of players. Um, but I feel like batting average is such a random thing to begin yeah. with. Like you can't, you can't pick between 260 and 280. <laughs> Even if you say, well, this guy's going to get, you know, five percent more hits because of this like yeah. it's still like the difference between two even 240 and 290 is complete random nonsense like it really is um there's like a handful of guys that are definitely good bad and average and a handful that are definitely bad but like 80 percent of the players i don't even know why we talk about it like <laughs> to try to plan for it is yeah. is silly yeah, yeah. says me I mean, it's funny because some of these guys that they were shifting before I saw in spring training, they're bringing the center fielder into that area and the left fielder now has to just cover that space, which makes sense because they don't think he's going to go that way. So I think you're going to see some shift, but it's going to be involved with the outfielders. Yeah, that that to me, that made sense. Like, yeah, they can still. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't say that the outfielders <laughs> can't all stand in one little circle. Right. Um, they'll figure out. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't think the shift is, I do think it's a big deal. I don't think it's as big a deal to figure something out going into yeah. the year as to how to do something about it for fantasy. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, again, I think the throwing over to first base is the bigger one there. So let me ask you about the ADPs. So do you use the ADPs? I mean, like you say, you do a lot of research yourself and how do you use those ADPs? I mean, you're a veteran, you're a guy who's won this thing, but yet you're still looking at those regularly as well right yeah it, it's a a strange sort of cat and mouse game where like when i like the past few years i haven't done draft champions leagues um and Shame so i kind of don't want to know <laughs> because they really are different and they should be different right right like yeah. and a lot of people are talking about how you know burns and cole have been going like early second round well that's that means nothing. They're going. They're going to go between six and ten in the main events, just period. But you can't figure that all all the way down the line. Like where where are these off? And they'll start to come together as it's more mm-hmm. live uh, fab leagues. But even then, it's twelve teamers. So what I do with the ADPs, it, I do think it gives you essentially the ranking by position. Like yeah. it's not like the seventh pitcher is going to become the second all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. It's just that the whole group there moves up the whole group of this position or this stat line moves up and mm-hmm. these guys get pushed down. Um, so I, I do think like the ADP, the number is not that important to me as, as but the second baseman are getting drafted in this order mm-hmm. is very relevant. And, and that usually, unless something happens news wise, that usually is pretty consistent. Position by position is what you're saying. Yeah. That's what you look at. So I am looking for basically like, 
pockets of players. Like where yeah. are all these type guys going together? Right. And who do I definitely like better than the field as far as, you know, right. um, not, not a player at a number. Right. Um, but I like the 15th second baseman is my fifth second baseman. Period. Right. Like right. that's the guy I can plan on getting here. Yeah. Um, I do like to have at some point in the draft, like, I need. I have some sort of strategy going in where it all sort of hinges. On, I'm going to get this group of players, a couple of these guys in these rounds, mm-hmm. and if that doesn't work out, then my whole draft is probably not going to work out, or yeah. I'm going to have to adjust on the fly. And that that does come from ADP, mm-hmm. um, but less the like like I say, less the overall number and more of how he compares to the other players at his position or at his. Yeah. You know, so what are you looking at for KDS this year? If you're looking at where your pockets that you want to get certain guys. Yeah. So I still sort of KDS based on the first four rounds, not sort of completely. I do like yeah. once you get past, you know, fifth round, like everything's kind of jumbled up where you're, you're jumping pretty far ahead yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't really plan for it. So um, I'm definitely going one through five. Um, I think I'm going to go one through seven and then 15. Okay. Like to me, that middle of the first round, I don't want any of those guys more than I want the guy who's 15th. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Um, it's interesting with uh, Jordan Alvarez now with this hand injury, he's not even swinging the bat. He's really been dropping. I think he went like 18th and 19th last night in online championships. Uh, That one bugs me so much. He is, I love that guy so much. And something I said a lot last year, like I firmly believe he is the best hitter in baseball. Yeah. Period. Not, not the best fantasy player, but like Mm -hmm. the actual best hitter. I think that's him. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but yeah, I'm nervous about it. I, yeah, I don't like it. I mean, an injury that you had last year and you come into spring and it's still bothering you. That's not, yeah. I've, I've often said on the radio, I don't want to draft already injured players. I know they're going to get hurt during the year, right? Everyone gets hurt during the year. So why the hell do I want to draft one who's already hurt? And I know he's hurt and I'm still going to draft him. But I mean, the upside on him is unbelievable. He's, he's great. But yeah, like the mixture of you don't really want to draft a guy with no speed in the first round, yeah. if you can help it unless he's just a can't miss. Well, he's now not a can't miss because of that. Yeah. I with, mean, with no injury, he's a can't miss for me. I'd take him. I would yeah. be fine taking him first overall. I wouldn't, but I'd be really? okay with it. Yeah. Um, but now, yeah, I don't want that kind of risk in the first round. Yeah. I mean, Sean had always said, if you get 75 homers, 75 stolen bases from your first three hitters, uh, that's a winning combination. Now it's harder because they don't run as much, but do you subscribe to that? And when you do take a Jordan Oliver as well, you're not going to get that 75, 75 then. No, I, I, I think that one, that 75, 75 sort of went out the window mm-hmm. six, seven years ago when the game sort of changed pretty drastically. So Sean's not keeping up with the times is what you're saying. Have you seen how old that guy is? No, <laughs> I just was with him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I do I do not do the seventy five seventy five thing uh, anymore. Um, right. I mean, right. it's great right. yeah. by all means. Like the point is, yeah, you want yeah. power and speed early. Right. Of course you do. Yes, right. um, but I think it's more of the point is you need to know where you're getting your speed, mm-hmm. and um, but actually getting seventy five in the first three rounds. Yeah. It's tough. It's pretty undoable now. Yeah. I mean, if Trey Turner might steal 75, so you can do it this year. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't buy that malarkey. <laughs> Good one, Sean. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Two hall of famers debating on this. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of a few players here. I don't want to have you spill all your scouting reports and such, but I do want to talk about the camaraderie here. We're talking about Sean. And like you said, when you came to the NFBC in 2009, you come to the Flamingo, you're a quiet guy. You kind of hang by yourself. Now, all of a sudden there's just this camaraderie, you know, everybody, everybody knows you, everybody's happy for your success and stuff. Can you just talk a little bit about what these live events meet? And I, and I mean, last year we saw it. It was so great to get back together and see each other again for the first time in several years. And I think this year with our 20th anniversary with the parties on Friday and Saturday, I think it's going to be a real special time. Can you just kind of talk about the live events and what they mean to you? Yeah. So for, for a guy like me, who is, you know, I really quiet, keep to myself, like you said, like the first couple of years, 
it, I was surprised how easy it was to talk to anyone. Like, every, you know, people would just come up and say hi. And it was, you know, it was like I felt comfortable. Um, but it, it wasn't but a few years in until I started, like, feeling like, you know, these are my friends. And, like, you know, I start you talk to people throughout the year. Um, and now it's like, I don't know, some of my best friends are NFBC people. Uh, yeah. You see once or twice a year. Um, and it, it is because like it's such a unique little little hobby like most people don't really understand this level of fantasy baseball like th there's people you know in town that play fantasy baseball but they don't right. really get it like right um so there, there aren't many people anywhere that you have that kind of natural thing in common with yeah. um and so I, I think it's it's pretty great like if you've never been to a live event like a lot of people still haven't because there's so many online leagues you, you, pl yeah. you can play online even do the main event like yeah treat it as a vacation too. Like mm -hmm. they just allow yourself to have some fun in life. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no, absolutely. Fantastic. Come to Vegas. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I've said you could see the trend where it's going online. Obviously the percentage of leagues we have is more online, but man, we still got eight main event leagues going on in the big ballroom, the grand ballroom that we're going to have at the Mirage on Saturday morning. That's going to be a fantastic uh, sight to see in the auctions that we have. $10,000 auction leagues, 5,000, 2,500. It's special. And I'm Greg, really what looking... do we, what do we know about the food at the Mirage? What, what do we know about the food? Tell me, the, tell me the, the good. So you mean at our events, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know because they were an MGM. Uh, right. Hotel, That's absolutely. They, yeah. And they just switched now to uh hard rock. So uh, may have a lot of alcohol in a lot of our meals. I'm not we quite have sure. Like live bands now at the, the thing. Hard I rock? don't, I, no, they don't. Not at this point. Okay. Uh, they're going to renovate in 2025. They have the F1 on the strip. So none of the hotels are allowed to uh, renovate while the F1 is there. And nice. uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was there in November. It's still a nice hotel, very nice sports book and stuff. Got a lot of little uh, hotel or restaurants all around that area. So, a lot so of at this at this point in time, it's going to look the same as it always has. Like it's going to look the same as it always has. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 25 is when they're going to start making some changes to it. So. Well, I do. I, I don't know what it's going to taste like. I hope you, you get me some, some little steaks at some point. Greg. Oh, I got a steak at some point okay. planned. Don't worry about it. It's going to be right. good. So, Hey, talking about that first round, any players you want to drop that either is a landmine. We talked about your Don Alvarez or early on that boy, not to give away, but boy, I would like to see this guy land to me or something like that. Again, not, not trying to steal anybody, but any interesting players that you're really having a hard time evaluating or someone you really like that you uh, hope gets you. Yeah. So it's really about like, so to me, like the top seven mm -hmm. is so obvious and kind of separated mm -hmm. and I don't disagree with all. Like, I have nothing to say about yeah. the top seven. That's including Tucker and Otani after the top five. Like, I think that's just kind of who it is. And then I think Burns and Cole become the next two guys at the main event. Like, I think, I think you have nine players that everyone's, good with and fine with and i i don't have any reason not to love all of them yeah yeah um after that it, where it gets tricky like that's where you, you could have an answer to this question and i don't want like i'm nervous about alvarez like we said i don't really want juan soto mm -hmm. i don't know what he's doing yeah. like i i feel like he wants to be air quotes peak joey vado which yeah. is to say <laughs> like really just Walk. so much better in real life like i'm not yeah. sure this is what we need for fantasy yeah um People that know me know I'm not going to feel great about a child uh, in the top 10. So Bobby Witt is out for me. Mm -hmm. um, no chance I'm taking Tatis in the top 20, much less 30. Um, as much as I like old people, I'm out <laughs> on Mike Trout. Like, he's not old, but he is like he's never going to play anything close to a full season ever. Just yeah. I feel bad for the guy, but that's what it is. Yeah. I think who interests me kind of in that group is Bo Bichette. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have any idea exactly what's going to happen with the steals, but like, he's one of those guys that I wouldn't be stunned. Like he stole 13 bases last year. Right. I, he could still 40 and I wouldn't right. be even moderately surprised. Yeah. Um, so he's a guy that I'll take as a first rounder and say, even if he's just kind of blah again, and it's 25 homers and 15 steals, mm -hmm. that's not really that blah at all. No, um, no. 
So that that's the kind of guy where I see a pretty good floor with very realistic upside. Right. Um, and I'm I'm on the train of Pete Alonso hits like 82 homers. Um, I, I will take him. I like the Bichette Alonso start. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, like that. That's the kind of yeah. thing. I. Yeah. It's interesting with the pitchers. Like, I feel like it's such a huge group after Cole and, and Burns. Pretty much. Like, I don't know the the next fifteen guys are all about the same to me. I don't feel like I'm. I'm I don't think I'm going to end up with a pitcher. Um, if I mm. if I'm drafting at the end of the first round. Yeah. I doubt I'm going to get a pitcher there. Mm. Yeah. Hey, we got a question here. Can you give a hitter and a pitcher after round 20 any real late guys you're thinking about? Anything stand out? So I'm like I'm the worst person for those kind of questions. Me too. Because like I'm taking the boring old like my answer would be Charlie Blackman. <laughs> like really, like yeah. and that's not the answer people want. Like somebody no. wants me to say, you know, I don't know. So who's going near? Charlie you know Blackman. I don't know. I want to say Jordan Walker. Edward Olivares. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I think is is very real. Um, well, he's definitely real. Like I, he exists. Yeah, he's, um, he's real. It's hard to tell because he's coming and going all the time. Right. I, I'm I'm in on him. Um, and then I have a bunch of pitchers down there. Um, that I don't I don't know where they're going to go yet. Um, how many? What number? pick is round 20 do, do 30, some math. 300 yeah so most of the guys are like past 300 is kind of where i've been focusing um on what i'm what am i going to do in the reserve rounds mm-hmm. uh like kyle bradish type pitchers mm-hmm. are on my list there of i can see pretty clearly how they could be much better than the 300th pick mm-hmm. um and if they're not it doesn't really matter um, so, but I, I don't really have a lot of exciting names, uh, because that's not the way I do things. Yeah. Like I really am going to take Charlie Blackman for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I'm let me ask you like, about a youngster. Cause we yeah. talked about it off here, Jordan Walker. And again, I was at that game on Saturday. He had two bombs. One, I kid you not was out of the stadium. He's only 20. He's not guaranteed to play. He's not guaranteed to hit over two thirty. That's not your kind of guy. Sean loves him. We bid 16 for him and NL only got him. Uh, thoughts on Jordan Walker? He's just rising up the ADP boards right now. Yeah, so it's definitely not my thing. Going back to the the way I play is I want 14 hitters right. that are in my opening day lineup right. that are there at the end. I don't have to touch. Well, he's not that guy probably yeah. if he's not in the majors on opening day. Right. It doesn't do me any good if he comes up in the middle of May because then I have – nothing for six weeks um I, I totally get playing that way and it's it's interesting to me um to see people who are just every bit as good at fantasy baseball as i am that play just the complete opposite way <laughs> yeah. and it's kind of like with the strategies like either way can work yeah um it's just that's not what i do <laughs> because going back to what i'm going to do in fab I'm not going to get someone good to fill his spot for six weeks or two months or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And I'm not sure. I I don't know what he's going to do when he plays. I'd rather just wait. um, You know, I'm trying to find a pick number 230 and take Tristan Mikasas a Sukasas who I think has, you know, if you just want a child for the sake of having a youngster who can do something, take a guy who's that far down that it doesn't really right. hurt you at all. And the, it's pretty easy to draft, you know, Brandon belt to fill in for him. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't work out, of course, then you have Brandon belt, but <laughs> you, you see my point. Like, I, I just, I just point. can't do it with the early guys who I don't know that they're going to play. 
Yeah. Because that doesn't work with the way I draft and the way I fab. Right. Right. I I do like this Jordan Walker kid. I mean, I man, that guy impressed me. I saw him at the Arizona Fall League and he's six six, like two forty. Is like, holy cow, who is that guy? And so not playing third base, he, he looks like an outfielder. The thing about the Cardinals is a lot of their guys are in the WBC. So he's going to play every day now in the spring. So he's going to get enough at bats. And if he stays hot, he should start. But if not, if they expose him and major league pitching obviously can expose him to top pitchers and stuff, we'll find out. But yeah. And uh, I think, I mean, I do think he he'll play early ish. I do. I mean, he's yeah. even if he, they send him down, like he's the next guy up. Yeah. Um, and somebody's going to get hurt. Um, yeah. Or, or maybe Lars Newtbar isn't as good as we all think he is. Um, well, we love the name for right. sure. Maybe yeah. it's just that. His name is Newtbar, and like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. So it's not that I don't think Walker's going to be playing yeah. by probably mid-May, um, but I don't know that, and I don't know if he's going to be good. Yeah. Well, we don't know. We're going to find out, though. So, Dave, I'm going to see you in two weeks in Las Vegas, which will be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. We're going to get you up on the stage of champions on Saturday morning. We're going to bring everybody up there. That's right. <laughs> so get in shape because you have to run on up there like like we did last year. But uh, really looking forward to seeing you. Really looking forward to seeing everybody out there. Thanks for spending the time with me tonight. And best of luck in all your leagues this year. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I will see you very soon. All right, sounds good. Uh, in a half an hour, we've got a live stream. Tom and Derek are going to be doing a live stream tonight with uh, Michael Govier from FTNFantasy.com. So tune back in for that one. And next week, I think I'm going to be talking with Ron Chandler. The two of us want to go down History Road here. We were talking this week in Florida. I thought, man, that'd be a lot of fun to spend some time with Ron. So History Road is way better than Memory Lane. Well, yeah, done. Memory Lane. That's for old people. History Road. I like Ron it. Ron and Ron and I are going down to History Road, baby. All right. So, sing a song for us or get a tune for us down History Road for next week. All right. Done. All right. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you later, and good luck in all your NFBC leagues. Again, play NFBC.com. <laughs>